Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Carrying Through the Matrix on the 10th of February 2019. I should really start off by reminding myself as well as you that I should really be mentioning the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and you can buy them and find out how to do it at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com Also take a note of all the other sites I have on that page in case any of them go down for any particular reason and you'll always be able hopefully to, to access my shows and so on and also you can donate if you'd like to because I've had up so much stuff up for many, many years for free. It's only occasional person once in a while, or the same handful of people, in fact, who will donate on any kind of semi-regular basis, and that helps me to tick over. But people from all over the planet use the website constantly, and a lot of talk show guys do it too for their, for their old shows, etc. And so many people are into all kinds of occult and new age things, because they're bored stiff, probably. And they want information on these old religions and things like that, and the present ones too. And I used to cover them all in pretty good detail. And many other things too to do with, with our existence on the planet, because our existence, again, your life is pretty short, you know. It will fly by. And one day you'll sit back and say, why did I waste so much time on this or that or whatever it happened to be? Or even just entertainment in itself, because... The biggest problem with people today, I'll get worse and worse and worse, by the way, is really the old, old, <laughs> the joke and, and the reality, too, of the meaning of life and the purpose of life, etc. As you go through rapid changes, because we're trained by the masters of the world to behave in certain ways with each generation and to believe in certain things and even to have causes that will always suit those at the top, which generally are the international bankers, and I'll touch on that tonight. However, I do go into the fact, too, that it's much more to humanity than, than what you're given. I think we've all experienced, and hopefully, hopefully we've all experienced, I think you're cut off through pure materialism if you don't experience it, but the, the, the occasional sensation of someone going to phone you or something like that used to be more obvious before you had cell phones, because people didn't phone you all the time, especially if it was long distance and things like that. But the cell phones now, people are actually they expect phone calls all the time. But in the old days, not so long ago, which are the old days, now you would get senses of people either going to visit you or just unexpectedly, but you'd get a sense that was going to happen. And you would get senses. These are senses, the natural, natural senses that we do have, six senses. And... I think really children probably have more awareness of these senses. They don't suppress them because they're, they haven't been told to yet. Once they're in school, they drum all that out of you with, with so-called practicalities for survival. So they claim it's really just get your early indoctrination of the system so you'll obey and, and work for the system without even knowing it. But it's drummed out of you through materialism and the worries of just surviving and getting through life, etc., 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 and dealing with all the, the natural drives that you're born with uh, that develop even later. There's lots of drives that will distract you, and there's massive businesses to help them on because they get money off you as they distract you. It is quite surprising that the, the detail that goes into creating any particular batch of years, and that's how I see them, are batches of years. So as I say, I've gone into all this stuff in detail over many, many, many years, and lots of people use them. So remember, you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughMedia.com. I would turn out more books, really, but the reality is, too, I'd prefer just to tell the people information that might help them get on through life or survive through life, at least on a personal basis. It might not even be successful financially, but at least it's, it's helping. What is success, really? You're told even what success is. And believe you me, you, you won't find any real genuine people out there that have put, you would term, big, big success. We're really happy. And you'll find, too, with the incredible alterations in society and functions, etc., and expectations that will get worse and worse and worse. And that was also known back in the early 20th century by people like Aldous Huxley, who also talked at Berkeley in the 60s about it. And he said that people really are not terribly happy. Basically, intrinsically, they're not terribly happy. And happiness is a, is a, a strange term. Because today, is, under psychiatry, which helps to rule you in psychology, and you have behaviorists all ruling you, 
they promote the idea that happiness is success. And happiness is what they tell you success happens to be. And they give you all these idols to follow that really are just fronts for big corporations behind them. They're making off a star, Hollywood, music, whatever it happens to be. It takes a lot of money, or even books for that matter. It takes a lot of money to promote the person and to create them into the star image. And when you get big television stations immediately grabbing onto somebody, you know it's one of the establishment's creations because they give you people from all walks of life or thoughts of life or segments of thought of life to guide people who are looking. In other words, they give you a guru for every particular area that you happen to look at and fight. People also will condemn you for even voicing certain concerns. And it has to be done at times. You've got to be honest about everything as, as best as you can. And being honest will mean you'll be condemned. You find even the old religions were suited to the time, what they called old religions. And even though uh, you have different criticism of all religions in all countries, in all types of religions, you'll find at the same time that some of them, especially those that came into Europe, you find that they give you values, or they gave values to the people that stopped total chaos. It was bad not being plundered by nobility and feudal systems and so on like that. At least they gave a sense of worth to people that didn't exist anywhere else in the world. You're either a loser or somebody, and if you're a loser, you're a slave generally, and the property of somebody. Serfs were obviously property too, and the big condemnation on hindsight, and this is the big problem that you have today, everything is judged in hindsight according to today's standards, and you can't, you can't project today's standards onto to, to the Middle Ages or yesterday's past. It can't be done. Different times, different era. Uh, they didn't have welfare systems, they didn't have social work departments, they didn't have all the different things you, you're used to today. And uh, people really didn't have the, 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 the thrive for materialism that you have today, where it's this mass consumerism. It didn't exist before. It was basics, and that was it. And it wasn't easy, and life was tough. And it, we did, only got out of that in some countries in the 20th century because of world wars. Now, it is true. And different movements took place to, to allow some of the cash to stay in the pockets of the earners for a change and to get something back for your money. The U.S. was the same too. The, 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 and I'm talking off the, the, just off the top of my head, this wasn't planned or anything like that, but I was just thinking of the U.S. revolution. Much more too at the meat side too. It took years in preparation. Benjamin Franklin mentioned that too with the secret societies that ran at the, at the day, there were, there were intergenerational revolutionaries like Tom Paine, for instance, who in his own writing said that he belonged to a family of, of intergenerational freedom fighters or revolutionaries. Revolution is the term, actually. And so you don't realize that things are not spontaneous in life any more than today. The different values you're given today and the switches are spontaneous. There's not, that's so far from any kind of reality. I've mentioned so many times about the, some of the books I have here, old books, because I've studied as much as I could about certain things which interested me as to the whys of things. And one of the whys was how, what shapes society's values. It's like George Bernard Shaw, for instance, a member of the Fabian Society. He defined, along with H.G. Wells, to the readers of their different publications, what they meant by socialism versus socialist, you see. And... All these very, they sound subtle differences, but they're not subtle at all. They're big differences. Where you said literally socialism was a complete reordering of all society. Complete. That's man, woman, child, everything. Nation. Uh, purpose. Function. And it was, it was intertwined with Marxism, of course. And that's why Marxism was pushed to in London, by the way. Don't forget where Karl Marx was kicked out of Germany. He went to live in London and was kept in a good lifestyle there. Even he had a, had a servants and so on. For those who think he was a pure little guy, it's far from the truth. And let's be honest, too, since the whole point of Marxism was to overthrow again of all organized governmental systems and monarchies, Believe you me, that the British monarchy was not a system that took this kind of lightly. So, but they gave permission for him to live there. There's much more to everything than meets the eye, obviously. And communism was the, basically a big, big test. The first one is the American Revolution. Could people basically, and this is a bit of a joke, of course, uh, run their own lives without be, having experts and the proper people managing them. 
that was part of the test, supposedly, the big study, big experiment. And the next experiment was, was the, the Soviet system that came along, where they had, again, the epitome, supposedly, of true socialism, where the Soviet, which is a rule by councils, councils for every, every type of function in life and department, so on, and unions, would be run by the Soviet, these councils. And it would be a perfect utopia for everybody, which was a big, big lie, because humanity always overtakes any idealism, and that means the crooked psychopaths are always at the top. I don't care what system it's called. <laughs> it's the same system, really. But getting back to what I'm t- saying, Beria, who was the chief of police at one point in the 1930s in the Soviet system, or the, the NKVD and the Cheka, etc., he ran the Comintern for the Soviet system, the, the Young Communist International and many leaders that eventually even ruled Canada at one point went over there because they were members of the Common Turn, and other countries too attended, and bankers too, by the way. You know, bankers were not out of this picture at all. And Beria said that it used to take a whole generation, about 70 years, that's how they took a generation at, at that time. He said it used to take 70 years to make, a, to make the small social changes necessary before they could make the next step to push it further but on any particular area. But he said now, with the scientific study of humans and society, talking about behaviorism and and psychology and the psychiatry, uh, they were still fairly new at that time, then he said we can, and the proper indoctrination, we we can literally, by intense propaganda and, and indoctrination, alter behavior and opinions in segments and within and every four years. Every four years. And so, if you, had, if you were taking a span of, say, 16 years, you could get the first group of children come in at school at four or five, and then four years later, you could have an indoctrination, which would up the indoctrination of the first four years and a step further. But within 16 years doing this technique, you could have them reverse their opinion on the particular topic could be reversed completely, and their belief could be reversed. And that's happened so fast, in fact, Today, with mass communication, they said that mass communication that would, that would be more and more perfected and available to everybody would be the technique which would be used as television, radio, you have cell phones and internet and so on, and it's all been done. And it's, it's interesting to stand back and just watch it and to see it happening and to even see the fronts that, that, that are developed and put out for the public to follow, that pretend to speak for different segments of society and the public, segments which they've actually created, in fact, like there, as though there were separate species or groups, over, which is nonsense. You're, you're either all human or you're not all human, but this is what they've done. And it's easier to control society now and voting blocks by segmenting them all. It's easier for those who rule the planet and the future. And it's very important to understand this, this idea of the future and the planet in itself. And unfortunately, it, it really does eradicate the natural human abilities, techniques of being human. There are techniques of being human. And it takes work to be a good human. <laughs> and unfortunately, as you throw religion out the window, you, you've, you've lost or you've thrown out the values that helped your ancestors up to the present day, your predecessors survive so that you're here today. Because it took a lot of social involvement by neighbours, as I said before, even in places like Britain, to help each other out before the welfare system really came in. And you got mass unemployment and so on. You, you, people had to really help each other. And it was only because of, of the vestiges of religion that kept that alive. Today, they'll tell their relatives, just go on welfare before they'll help them out. That's, that's what you get, unfortunately. So the state has become supreme, exactly as H.G. Wells said, that it would be made to be supreme over any family involvement. It would be the head of the family, in other words, if whatever family that happened to be, or kind of family it would be. It's all happened. And it really is fascinating to see it all happening, and to live through so much of it, and to see the massive, well-financed pushes, and organized pushes, not just for segments of society, but through entertainment and through everything, to make all of this possible, to make it happen the way that it was planned to be. So before, say 20, even 30 years ago, you had ideas of where it was all going, how it worked, etc. And you'd studied enough to understand where they said it would go. And, and, and bingo, it's happened. 
But but every every generation, once you hit twenty, you, you've got folk who, who think is some is somehow all their generation that they're in charge. They really think that. They believe that. They have no idea that the music, uh, the entertainment, e- even the, the jingo talk and, and, and vernacular that they're given for each age, they really think it's theirs. It's their creation. They really do believe that. And it's fascinating to watch it over and over and over again. But what I'm trying to say, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that basically things are vastly different, vastly, vastly different than you'd imagine. I read uh, some articles this week about some people in Britain who, who who like to have debates, who get, you know, in public and universities and so on, who, who've been banned from universities because of their previous views and their present views on certain topics. And he was banned, and I think his talk was going to be freedom of speech and censorship. <laughs> and so the, the, the student unions and so on banned him from, from giving his talk at a particular university. And the universities are supposed to, were at one time the pinnacle, supposedly, I, I don't think they ever really were, but they're the pinnacle, supposedly, of free speech. If you lose free speech, you're under tyranny, uh, if, you, if you don't understand that. And if you lose one area of free speech, then there's always one to follow it and get added to it and added to it until literally you're, 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 in, a, you're in a corner somewhere, like George Orwell's 1984 and Winston, to write in his diary, trying to be out of sight of the camera in his room. That's who we are. That's who we are right now, actually. But this, that one, this, this particular guy, it was Peter Hitchens, he said that you have to remember that these students, it's easy to forgive them. Oh, you're students and you're young and all. But these students, he said, will become the civil servants, the CEOs, and the teachers and professors. They'll teach the next generation. And if they're so intolerant now, what are they going to be like? When they're in charge of everything. Really, what you're seeing is the implementation of the worst tyranny this planet's ever seen. And I really mean that. Because as bad as 1984, George Orwell's book was, in its portrayal of a future, at least, at least there were some places, perhaps outside of a camera, you'd get away. And our total surveillance society, hell is staring us in the face. And you better become a, a good PC robot if you want to survive. That's where it's going to be. When you will eventually be picked out because you had wrong think, you thought something, and it was a wrong thought, like Winston's neighbor in 1984, where when Winston is in, in the jail, you know, in the Ministry of Love or what it was called, where they tortured you, naturally, then he met his neighbor there, and his neighbor said, Oh, he says, my daughter, his young daughter, who's about 10 or something, wearing their little, their little outfit of, of socialism. Because all, all socialism has outfits, uniforms, for those who don't quite get it. There's also uniformity of behavior. There's uniformity of speech. There's uniformity of topics which you'll talk about and push and opinions you're going to have. It's a, like a cloning effect they all have with each other. But he meets his neighbor in there and says, it's my daughter that found out. I was say, saying something in my sleep, but I didn't know it. But she found, thank goodness, she's, that she did the right thing and turned me in. And that's how you're all going to be. You'll feel guilty for thinking something. You already do, Pavlovian style. Because indoctrination is so scientifically, incredibly, amazingly accurate with today's technologies and methods, methodology. I've already mentioned the different nudge units that you have out there that are in charge of everything put across the internet and your cell phones and everything and your chat rooms and and pushing you and nudging you to, to be good, good, good. And good depends on what the, the, what flavor the, the attorney that runs you wants today. I'm not kidding you. But getting back to what I'm talking about, if you say the right things, you're going to be definitely attacked. That will happen. There's a lot of... Rather fake people out there too that have made massive businesses, massive businesses, out of being the fake fronts for a lot of this stuff, and that's one you always know if they're if they're rolling in the box. Believe you me, they're part of the of the system, even if they pretend that they're opposite. They're, they're rolling in the box. That's one of the clues, and they have no problem getting it on television or wherever it happens to be. But when you forget and and throw out your natural humanity. And that was the connection with what they called the, the world of spirit. 
all through religion, when you throw that out, then you're at the mercy of the worst materialistic, scientific tyranny the world has ever seen. And unfortunately, because you have nothing to hold on to in a faith-wise thing, and in terrible times of stress and, and evil, then you'll crack completely with nothing to hold on to. When you look across the world today at the incredible corruption everywhere, everywhere you look, and the West amongst the general population now, now that's on a roll for materialism, easy credit and, and disposable products that don't last very long, but it's constant consumer society. It's really scary when you look at it. Really scary. Where life is becoming so cheap and for being trained to see life as being cheap. And I'm okay, Jack, as I say. I'm all right, Jack. It's so tough luck on you. And it starts with, with youngsters, babies. It ends up with elderly people or folk who are just sick being offered euthanasia rather than having treatment for, for problems which are easily treated today. But they cost a bit of money. So what? They've, your governments have got plenty of money to blow on their own incredible salaries and expenses. And the massive civil, multi-layered civil service system that you have that would terrify you when you see the incomes of these characters. And I'm so out of touch with, with a lot of uh, the income brackets and so on that I, I get kind of shocked at, at what I see. And then I realize it's probably fairly normal when I see the, the incomes that the greedy society that we now live in has created because there's way too many folk getting churned out of university and colleges now that are taught that greed is good, and they deserve it. It used to be just the ads to sell you things. You just go and have another chocolate. You deserve it. But now it's, yeah, take, take the world by the you-know-what. You deserve it. You can have it all. And they go for it. It's like there's no humility left anymore. It's really something else. Because the culture and the old cultures have been destroyed. Interesting that in itself. And replaced with another culture. Now, here's an example of how out of touch I am about what folk earn. And the cost of living, of course, which is going to go up because of the bank scandals, which is simply the fact that the money system has always been a scandal. It's backed by nothing. There's nothing backing either the paper or plastic or digital currency. There's nothing there. A whole different topic, but the fact is society now wants to be the multimillionaires. Everybody's been trained that they deserve it. I was looking this week in Sudbury, the, the city nearest me, and it's not a huge place, Sudbury, even greater Sudbury. There's a lot of scattered places and so on, little villages and all that. But Sudbury, it's not, it's not a huge place like, like Toronto or anything like that. And I just looked into the local papers for a change to see if, if they mentioned anything about the ice storms that was going, we were having here in this area. And sure enough, I had tremendous ice storms as well. Well, not tremendous, it could be, could be a lot worse, I suppose. But, but this is backed by very high winds too, for quite a few hours in the middle of the night. And trees went down all over the place, and that roof got covered on top of snow with, with about two inches of ice. I had to get up there today and, and crack a lot up. I've been doing uh, a lot off, I should say, <laughs> cracking up doing it, I suppose. But it's quite something. This has been one of the coldest and earliest starting winters I've experienced so far here, because winters now are becoming longer and longer, starting in, in September with snow, all the way through to the present time with lots and lots and lots of snow. And very low temperatures at night sometimes, minus 48 degrees without the wind chill. That's just the, the temperature. That's Fahrenheit too. So I was looking at the papers in Sudbury, and around the same time this happens, this happened there just the last couple of days or whatever, they also had earthquakes in Sudbury. And immediately they bring up the experts. Oh, it's just probably, just as mining-related, probably. And even though the, it's east of Sudbury was one, and, and another one is the west of Sudbury, by distance apart. Well, it's probably mining-related, nothing to worry about, etc. Meanwhile, too, we, there, there are under... Well, there, there's one, at least one that we know of, underground accelerator, not too far from Sudbury in the area. It's been there for many years, in fact. And there's also a big lab deep, deep down in a different place in Sudbury. 
And it makes you wonder what really is going on, but that's another thing again, <laughs> because you're living in an era, an era of incredible secrecy. It's not your right to know anything. And that's how you've been trained, by the way. Have you noticed that? You're getting given no, no real news to do with, before, there's no debates in parliaments or governments about upcoming this or upcoming that. You're told, you're told nothing now until things are just, laws are just passed. Have you noticed? You've been trained. You're given lots of drama and soap operas to fill it up and pretend it's news. Entertainment news is not news to me. News is what's going to affect your lives. But anyway, I looked up through these papers, and one of these articles just hit me. And I guess if I read more and more of the, of the local papers, I'd, I'd see more of it. I know there's always scandals in politics and money and all the rest of it, and taxpayers' cash, but this was in the, in the local paper. And it was about a policeman that, uh, he says, an 18-year veteran of the Greater Sudbury Police Force has been found guilty of discreditable conduct. And what it was, he said something on Facebook. And he's a kind of, I guess, kind of like a whistleblower. But he, he aired a grievance that I think people should be, <laughs> should be allowed to know about since we're all paying for all this kind of stuff. Heavily, and they keep up in taxes and everything. And it's the same every cross, every city across the planet is the same. We'll go psychopaths running the shows, folks. We do. And it's a complaint stemming from comments this constable made in social media back in March 2018. His problem started due to some Facebook comments about wages of several colleagues that were published through the annual Sunshine List, whoever that is. And on March 24, 2018, he made this comment on a Facebook post titled Sunshineless Swells in Sudbury, Ontario. And it says what people should really be looking at is how someone like, he names this woman at the Greater Sudbury Police Service. I guess she's up, up near the top or whatever. Actually, she might not even be near the top. Anyway, it says she went from making $130,000 just four years ago and is now at $205,000 annually. I mean, what's this? We can, I, I really am living uh, way in the past, I guess, with cost of living and what folk are earning. It says that's almost 50% raise in less than four years. This is only one of them. As a matter of fact, the year that former, uh, and it mentions the chief who left, this woman got a $40,000 raise. Not bad, eh? And says Sudbury taxpayers should be asking council how that happened. Then on March the 28th, he posted another comment, 2018. Don't take this the wrong way, my friend. But after seeing the sunshine was last week, you should be posting about how some managers at the Greater Sudbury Police Service got 33% raises. There's a handful of them got extremely hefty raises. Your taxes and mine going up because of the police service board's approval of these raises. And he says, look up, and he mentions another name. He says, this other went from $106,000, this person, this other person, in 2016, to 149000 in 2017. Not bad, period, you see. How did they justify that? Here's another one. He mentions this other woman who got $110,000 in 2016, 148000 not bad at all, in 2017. Eh? Again, how do you justify that? And he mentions another one, 109000 in 2016, $232,000 in 2017. Three people, over $100,000 in raises. So, of course, they'll come down them for informing the public. And it's true, the public, we're, we're pretty well in ignorance of what uh, so-called civil servants, eh? public servants, are earning, eh? aren't we? We're completely ignorant of it. See, the public are the business. And folk who go into college and university are told that's what the business is, and they want to get in managing the public, where the big, big money is. Quite some. Anyway, the fellows uh, plead not guilty of the charge, etc., but they're, they're going after them because the public are not supposed to. You know, It might upset the public who get upset enough to complain about this, this nonsense going on. Eh? Really, think about it. But yeah, I'm sort of whack with folk are earning. It's just, just astonishing to me. It really is. And I'll put up the link too to Sudbury's earthquakes. Two earthquakes in less than 48 hours. And then ice storm too happening about the same time.
quite amazing, eh? and incredible temperatures in Dubuque. So, yeah, it's it's quite something. It's one of the coldest winters I've experienced, the longest last, and it's got a few months to go yet. I've no doubt at all about that. Now, as I say, the tonight's talk was going to be, and hopefully I'll get back onto it, about the fact that in the, the materialism that's been indoctrinated into the public, where everything's just me, 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 and narcissism, and hedonism, and get what you can. How many folk have you heard too? Maybe you've said it yourself. When you see about scandals of, of folk dipping their hands into the till and coming out with uh, big, big bucks and so on from the public. How many folk have you heard saying, well, so what? If I was in that position, I'd do it too. I mean, do you understand that when society applauds criminality and this kind of behavior, you're, you're, as I say, you're in for a horror show. Because it just gets worse and worse and worse. It really does. It's like George Bernard Shaw, who, who did say what socialism really was. And the socialist, he said, expects, where it's a man or a woman, they expect to get all their money back in taxes to help them on their way, etc., and pay for all the different social necessities that they need. He says it's far from the truth. He says there will be no marriage. There will be no man and woman getting married and the state... Uh, uh, and he says, and bringing up children themselves, etc. He says, that's the difference between socialism and a socialist. What are you living through today? What have you already lived through? And he said, too, he says, why should we keep you alive? You'll have to come to us and explain why we should allow you to live. Because if you don't eventually work for the system, work for them, the one who, ones who rule the system, uh, then he said, why should we keep you alive? You tie that in with the Georgia Guidestones, for instance, hmm? and all the UN, and all the all the so-called the front groups of for the environmental movement, which are just the eugenics movement. Too many people, too many of the wrong sort of people, bring down the population. It's the people who are the problem, creating all that carbon, creating all this, needing all these things. It's all your fault, and they use environmentalism and sustainability as the excuse, and that's the front of all. That's the front for all. Club of Rome. But you are looking for horror. And folk who think they can just keep voting and somehow get their champions in. Or you'll all get, you'll get all kinds of, of front, front group champions, well-made well and presented champions for you all, because that's how easily you're all played today with politics. Really. There's so much you could say, but things you can't say anymore with politics. Really, you can't say it. You really can't say it. But it's a complete joke and a racket today. When you see who funds them all, when you see who they're obedient to, and it's not you, the voters, in any country, and the rackets that go on, it's just incredible. The greed has never been so open today. And it's been, I remember reading a long time ago, and I think it was maybe Thomas Jefferson said that the people, it was regarding good and bad societies and workable societies. Eventually get so crooked, you don't really have a workable society. But he, he said that a good society can only be as good as the corruption which they tolerate from those who rule over them. And today, folk accept the corruption as, as a normal thing because they themselves will say that. They will say what I said before. Well, if they, I, wasn't the same, I would do the same thing if I was in that position. That's what you've got today. That's all your, your game shows and television for many years have been winners and losers, winners and losers. Don't you want to be a winner? And now you're living through it as they all go for the people who are earning the money. Canada as well. I think recently they said that I think about 40% of the population that should be paying taxes, including corporations, are not paying any. 40%. And a lot of folk will say, well, I wish I was part of that 40%, because they want to be the same. They're in corruption, you see. And when things go belly up the next time, which you will, because it's planned to go belly up, the financial system, to bring in the next stage of the same dominant elite's plan for the next stage of ruling society. And ruling is the word, to get away from this idea of democracy, which the Club of Rome keeps telling you doesn't work. It wasn't intended to work, but it was an awfully good battering ram to get folk to believe in it, to push different agendas. 
So you need big upheavals to make it happen. And they won't get what they want if you think you've got rights. So they take all your rights away because you'll have crises, you see. Oh, it's an environmental crisis. It's a catastrophe. With all the weather warfare programs on the go, very old ones since even before World War II, never mind the present ones, they can make anything happen, can't they? And even natural phenomena. And don't forget, all climate change is natural. We've always had it. We've had how many ice ages that we can detect? And between the ice ages, you had what? Warming trends, warming up until the glaciers disappeared, then back to the ice ages again. Before humanity even trotted across the planet. But facts don't matter anymore. Let's get back, and I, I hate to just jump over the map, but again, back to this corruption system that we live in. Winners and losers now. Here's one from Australia. I've been mentioning it. it's a good it's a good example because Australia is very similar to Canada, with the old British colonial system and the banking system copied from the central banking from London, you see, and the, the kind of old school tie is set up too. They helps run the system, and again they always give you leaders every so often to to vote for who pretend that they're different from the other ones by saying the opposite and all that. But what they do is different. It's always the same. What they do is the same. That's the key. Not what, not what they say. Never is what they say. Anyway, Haynes' findings shouldn't be a shock. The banking scandals were decades in the making. I mean, I've been talking about this for quite a long time, building up and building up, watching the same bubbles with real estate that was created by the big banking industry and the chains of real estate organizations that help shove up the cost of housing up and up and up so you get bigger loans from the banks. They're all in it together, you see. That's how it works. And then your local governments, they get all the tax money from property taxes that go for big pay raises and things like that for civil servants and public servants. <laughs> so Australia is just the same. And it's a good example because it did the same with, with the homes in Australia. They're out of sight as to their real value, any real realistic value. So Haynes' findings shouldn't be a shock. The scandals were decades in the making. And it says, How did we arrive at a situation where banking and financial houses slug dead people with fees? They do that, you know. Where billions have been sucked out of Australians' retirement savings by bank-run super funds profiting at their members' expense. Where many vulnerable people were doled out credit they could never afford to buy the houses. Same thing with the back the last collapse too, right? Where households live with an unprecedented debt burden fueled by uh, lax lending standards that inflated a risky property price bubble. After months of expose, the banks and regulators will now face the fallout from the Hain Royal Commission's final report. But the truth is that many there are many culprits, and the poor conduct and culture were decades in the making goes back to the 1980s, 90s, when Australia shifted from a world where banks were tightly controlled and credit was rationed to a world where credit was free and easy and banks embracing an aggressive sales culture flogged products to make money. Alongside the floating of the dollar and dismantling of tariff walls, the deregulation of banking was one more step in the liberalisation of the economy during that era. Now, uh, that's what led. They, they took all regulations off, all, the, all the, the watchdogs off of banks. And guess what happens when you do that? Well, we lived through it with the big banking crash, 2008, 2008, and, and, and we're still paying for it because that's why uh, your currency is devalued constantly because you still pay back the loans to bail out all those big banks from then. But this article goes on how the big banks became so big. You could, you'd actually change this from Britain to Canada, to Australia, that's the same, the same article, because it's, it's identical everywhere. It's identical. Mind you, there's one system at the top running the banking system because the boys and gals that ran and, and created the Royal Institute for International Affairs were also run by the central banking system that came into Britain long before that and gave you the British Empire, actually and profit from that empire, these big banks, and use the countries as their battering ram, including the people and the armies, to, to conquer for their big corporations. It's the same system across the world for global domination. It hasn't died. It's still, it's, well, it's still running all. It gave you free trade and amalgamated countries into big trading blocks. 
So it goes into, again, the same repetitive stuff. Nothing will be done about it. After 2008 and nine, they're right back to square one with the big bubbles and billion, multi-billion dollar uh, bonuses at the end of the year. If you've ever seen the movie, Ewan McGregor was in the movie. It was about, I think it was Nick Leeson, the guy's name was, who was given charge of the stock trading for Bearings Bank back in the 90s. And he did the usual kind of back and forth trading, borrowing money and and and, and trading, pretending that they were making make fortunes uh, into the multi millions and getting big big salaries and bonuses. But it was all chronology. And the, and the guy in the documentary, the actual guy himself, not the actor, but the, the person who got caught doing it, talked about it in documentaries uh, about the, the incredible cons of banking. And how they were just, the greed factor overtook them all, all, all the different representatives who work inside the big top banks near the top. Not, not the little guys at the bottom with your local bank uh, where you go in and, and walk out of or whatever, but the, the big banks themselves. They don't care as long as the, as long as the balance that they're shown shows massive in, income of, of profit, profit, profit. They don't care how it's done, even if it's fake. hasn't changed. And when you take the watchdogs off it during Margaret Thatcher's time, and Ronald Reagan's time, that's what happens, of course. Now, here's another one here, too. Cold calling customers to flog insurance and superannuation deals will be banned as part of crackdown on greedy banks. They're into everything now. They've got sales-driven bank culture, they called it. And that's what they are now. Big sa- and, they, and they churn out these characters, again, from college and universities. They're, they've got their little little courses on, 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 on banking and, and profit and investments. And the greed factor is phenomenal. And raping the public is just the way it's done, because that's where all the money comes from eventually. And we pay off the debt that's incurred all the time. Every time it happens, we pay it off. The government uses your tax money. You put down as billing them out. Next time it's to be the Balans as well. So this is a good article here. And then there's another one, and it's to do with big banks accused of ripping off customers may not face court for a decade, for 10 years. That's standard because lots of politicians and judges, not the old school tie, that they're all part of the same clubs, will postpone it as long as they can. By that time, no one will care, and it'll just fade away. So big banks accused of ripping off customers may not face the court for a decade, despite the Royal Commission re- recommending criminal charges. See? And uh, it was done by Kenneth Payne, uh, Banking Royal Commission recommended uh, that there should be, crim- there should be criminal charges uh, placed. But I, I, I don't see anything. That won't happen. That won't happen. It's a good enough article, you know, to show you how it's, how it's happened. And we read this over and over again. No one ever goes to jail for it. Now, the big con, too, were the guys who gave you the central banking systems. It's one big chain, you understand, across the planet, these central banks now. It's a chain. And they're all under the World Bank, the big, big one at the top. And they have the International Monetary Fund that go in when countries can't make their payments. And they take over the running of your country till they start paying off the interest, at least. And you can manage that. It's not meant you can pay the whole thing off in, in compound interest. It's not meant to be paid off. It's impossible to do it. They know that. It's all a racket that we accept, isn't it? But anyway, the chief executive, Goldman Sachs, apologized to the people of Malaysia over the role of a former employee of the bank in the Malaysian Development Bank. They call it one number, like it's one, the number one Malaya Development Bank scandal. In a rare move for Goldman chief executive, David Solomon joined the company's fourth quarter earnings call and gave an update on investigations into corruption surrounding the Malaysian Sovereign Wealth Fund. He said the bank was sorry for the effect the fraud had on the country. Well, that's nice. That's nice. He's so- oh, he said he's sorry. Well, let's just forgive him, eh? He says it's very clear that the people of Malaysia were defrauded by many individuals, including the highest members of the prior Malaysian government. Because psychopaths are always going to be power. That's what they head for, folks. They sniff it, they want it, and they, they go for it. In every country, says Tim Leisner, who was partner uh, at our firm, by his own admission was one of those people. Leisner's role in that fraud, we apologized to Malaysian people. The investment bank has consistently died wrongdoing and said it was lied to about how the proceeds of three bond sales it conducted on the fund's behalf between 2012 and 13 were used Solomon echoed the bank's stance on Wednesday. And it's quite a good article, you know, they try to make it as late as possible, <laughs> believe it or not, as a single country. 
that again you had the Cayman Islands involved and and, and uh, for tax free havens and billions of dollar dollars and not just you know a lot of it's given to these con- this, these kind of countries you understand for development banks through the World Bank and the United Nations etc. The racketeering is phenomenal. It really is. As I said at the beginning, we are the business, the public are the business. That's where all the money comes from. Forever. And when there's tax money involved from different countries and handouts and so on, that we put down as guarantee, they'll plunder it and plunder it and plunder it, folks. International crime. And it says here, um, news reports claim Goldman's former chief executive, now chairman, Lloyd Blankfein, held initial meetings with Lowe. While Solomon did not directly address those reports, he said the bank was sceptical of Lowe's dealings. And also I've got another article on the same thing. I've got a couple at least. Uh, so Goldman Sachs plans to cut their bonuses. Oh dear. You know these multi-million dollar bonuses at the end of the year they get on top of their massive paycheck. Because of the number one M- MDB scandal as it deepens, you see. Isn't it a shame? Eh? Isn't it a shame? How will they survive, these poor guys like that, eh? So the decision to potentially cut bonuses for top executives over the one MDB scandal reflects an acknowledgement of shareholder and public outrage over the debacle. In other words, if there was no, at least if there was no outrage at all from even a few folk, you wouldn't even have the story in the papers. Because this is fairly common, this kind of thing. And it says that in Blankfein's case for Goldman Sachs, the bonus began at $7 million. Not bad bonus, eh? Good work if you can get it. And it nearly doubled according to U.S. securities documents. And beyond the bonuses, Goldman also said it could claw back compensation from the current chief executive, David Solomon, and two other current senior executives, President John Waldron and Chief Financial Officer Stephen Scher. It says Solomon was paid $23 million last year. How is the guy going to manage? Eh? If it's... How will he get away without his bonus? Including $15.4 million in stock options. Ah, dear poor fella. Aye, the weight of your world on your shoulders. That's what you have when you read these articles. But that's where you live in. That's the system we're in today. Isn't it? And it's getting worse and worse. As greed is good is the national policy of indoctrination throughout society. From the bottom to the top and top to the bottom. Winners and losers. Number one, two in Britain, right? Have you, have you ever, ever seen, have you ever seen in any country, ever seen the real cost of any project that's estimated by governments, even local governments? Have you ever seen it fulfilled? It always it quadruples at least or more. You know that. Once they put it in, they say, well, because there's no intention of doing it for that particular amount of money. And once it started, well, we've worked in it for a whole year and we've already put, you know, 20 million into it. So, I mean, you know, we can't very So the government is, oh, we have no option but to put more into it. Uh, this is the racketeering that goes on. And there's no checkups, real check where all this money goes. You know that. You really do know it. I hope you understand it. Here's Defence Secretary in Britain, Gavin Williamson. The land's taxpayers, it's a bad headline, with a £300 million bill. Because he objects to the VIP, very important person, parking space at Parliament being used for building work on the £5 billion restoration, but is really trying to protect a nuclear bunker. As he really says, well, they're building a nuclear bunker is another one. There's already one there for Parliament to, to scuttle into with their ill-gotten gains if a nuclear war starts. And they've got them all through London for important people and royalty too and so on. But it's all taxpayers' money, naturally. Isn't that wonderful? They all hope to survive with it for many, many years through any, anything that might happen, living on your tax money, but you'll all be kicked out. And I even read the article years ago because it was signed when Maggie Thatcher was in. And uh, they would have special forces surrounding the, the entrances to these particular places to stop the public trying to get in, the folk who paid for all. But again, that's what quality is in this democracy, isn't it? People think democracy is all about uh, different groups with special, particular little uh, idiosyncrasies getting the right to this and the right to that. They have no idea what they're, what they're losing along the way of that for everybody. So anyway, it says the restoration which is being studied by the Joint Committee on the Draft Parliamentary Buildings Bill 
follows warnings that the Palace of Westminster is becoming a death trap beset by falling masonry and leaking pipes and lethal electricity. It says it's electric, so they're all out of date. So they're equipping the new building with a chamber and offices would require extensive work, etc., etc. So this is why it's only cost, uh, you know, uh, £300 million or something. But actually, it's where Pindar, that's the name of the, un- the, the big underground, uh, three-story three story at least, that they admit to um, shelter is for all these people, with even, even with kindergartens and stuff and schools and you name it, for, for the proper people, you understand. And it says how the nuclear bunker known as Pindar is connected to Downing Street by a where Britain's future would be decided in the event of a catastrophe or conflict. These are the characters who allow things to happen. <laughs> and if for a nuclear war sort of thing, they're going to try and save themselves, eh? And uh, you all perish. Well, th- there you go. There are the secret tunnels, it says, it connects it with Downing Street to this particular underground place. Quite some, isn't it, though, eh? Isn't it something, really? And the general public, as, as we lose, as I say, to try to get back on the initial topic that was vaguely in my mind at the time, are losing so much to do in the, the spiritual side of everything. Most folk who go into anything to do with, with uh, what you'll call modern, new age type religions want power to affect other things, you see. They don't want to work on themselves so much, but they want power by simply learning different little rituals where it happens to be to conjure up and get power for themselves, to manipulate those around them for their own, so that they themselves can benefit from the people, etc., or whatever it happens to be. Very old, as you know. In, in ancient times, it used to be just love potions to turn a guy's head or whatever it happened to be. That was long before they created a miniskirt. It goes on and on and on with power, 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 where it really the spiritual side of the thing was about improving yourself and changing yourself. Really, that's what it was about. Everyone's got the great equaliser eventually, which is death in itself, isn't it? You end up dead, whereas, whereas in the grave or you're, you, you go up in a pile of flames and gas, it's all the same. You end up dead, whether you like it or not, in, in the physical world. Most of want to come back into this world if they're, if they're very rich and wealthy and they, and they love life. Like the ones who rule the world, they want to live forever. If they could simply clone a body a brand new body and, and download the engrams from the brain, the whole memories, everything, and take it over. They'd be very happy. They're actually working on all that because they really do. They don't have the same, oh my God, I'm getting worn out with working and I'm worn out with my joints because of working or whatever it happens to be. They don't get that because they get incredibly high medical care. The real stuff, the three levels of medicine, they're at the top level, not at the professorship downwards. That's the bottom level. And that's why they live so long at the moment. And because they do love life, and they've never had a care in the world, and have servants that deal with all their management, and their land management, and their domestic management, and everything else for them, they, they don't even know when the car's been serviced. It's all been done for them. These are petty things not to distract them from, from what they're really into, you see. And they do want to live forever. It's the opposite, interestingly, of really what religion at one time was about. Now, religion, too has been abused all down through the ages, on and off. You always get bad, you know, segments and bad people in the charge of things. You'll always get it. Anything that starts off even with the best intentions over time will become corrupt when money enters into it and a good lifestyle enters into it. It's very much like the Franciscan society as an example. And St. Francis, his idea was that they would serve humanity for nothing. And the monasteries grew the food and all the rest of it. And the monks would go out and help the poor and, and feed them and so on. And that's how they started. They went off to do his rounds to, to other places and traveled, came back. And he was so disgusted at how fat, no kidding you, the monks had become because so much money was being donated to them by people, by rich widows generally, whose, whose husbands died of either wars or, whatever, or just old age or whatever. And they would leave the money to them, and they were getting rich and fat. And they weren't going out to help the poor anymore. So he literally turned his back on it, on, the, on, the, on the, some of the orders that he'd start, on some of the, the, the monasteries he started. He wasn't the only one. But that, that's always human nature, because we're in a world, a physical world, a hard physical world, aren't we? Can't deny it. Some, some climates are easier to get on with than others and live in, but it's pretty harsh. 
for most places. And survival in a moneyed system doesn't have much time for people who are sick or getting older and can't do the hard, hard work to just to scratch the dirt even in a system where they don't have the welfare state, etc., etc., etc. And that's the dilemma that folk are in, always. How to survive and get along and just survive, basic survival, and at the same time keep your humanity and your link to something greater than yourself. Without it, you truly are. And the worst horrors in, in, in the world have been committed with, under socialism, the atheistic system, the worst horrors. National socialism was, was, was a Nazi thing that they tried, and that was carefully studied by the Royal Institute for International Affairs because they were awfully interested in maybe using this across the, the world. Hasn't disappeared that technique. Forget Germany. It was meant to be international. And, and so they, they used the international communism, Soviet system, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Horror, is, I'm telling you, horror is where it goes when there's nothing else because natural human decency goes down the tubes if there's nothing to hold it there, something bigger than yourselves. And I don't mean government. And that's so sad, isn't it? So sad. And horror will come when they collapse everything again because it will come because the system, they, they, and they keep rip- They've got so many books put out by the big members in society, the big members of all these big organizations, they help rule us all, about the future and even the size of the population they'd like on the planet. Now, they're not giving you uh, some fantasy that they have. They're giving you how it's going to be, and they will drive you into it painlessly with your own cooperation, just as Huxley talked about, Aldous Huxley. A kind of painless concentration camp, he said where you'll love your servitude. And along with your servitude, you'll say, oh, well, my life isn't that important. I've, I've had my... That was what the whole Brave New World was about. Once your time was up, you could get euthanized. Painlessly. With the right drugs and so on. Happy drugs. That wasn't all. That wasn't imagining. He talked about how it was going to be. Brave New World revisited. He mixed with all the top world rulers of the day who helped plan all this stuff. They planned the next 100 and 200 years. Many committees, they still exist today in foundations. Anyway, it's not, I'm not, see, here's the thing too. I'm not bitching about things. I'm beyond all that. But you have to point out to others who literally might save themselves from a lot of misery by falling into so many traps that it's going to be presented to you. And it's possible you might find others of a like mind who will also have a weary eye on the happenings of their time that they live through and, and find out the real reasons for it as opposed to just be happy, don't, don't look at anything important and, oh, that's heavy, man, as you used to say. But they might help themselves because a lot of folk do, as I say, become self-destructive knowing things are just all plain wrong and they're finding that there's no purpose anymore. No purposes were often thrust upon you, but they were natural purposes. Families were natural. But they were being destroyed before I was born, very, very intensely so. And it's affected everybody. Everybody's been affected by it. No one escaped. And the massive propaganda through movies and fiction of what you should have, what you could have, all these temptations, it wasn't just glass beads, folks, was it? But it's an interesting technique. It works awfully well. And they're turning to all the different drugs, eh? as, the, as your elite members of society have decided to make it the painless concentration camp as you go down the tubes and give up all your rights and freedoms. Quite happily, along the way, you've got more drugs than ever dished across the planet. At the same time, the same drugs, isn't it? Your, your soma is everywhere. There's an opioid strong enough to sedate elephants. It's on the rise in Ohio, coroner's warn. That's a carfentanil is one of them. It's extremely potent, often undetectable, involved in multiple overdose deaths. This article I could exchange for British Columbia, Canada, and countries across the planet at the same time. They're all doing the same things at the same time. What's interesting, too, is when you see the breakdown of the age groups and the genders, mainly men, 
And it's often men in their, in their 30s and 40s who are killing themselves with, with overdoses. But it says here, this is in Ohio, right? Drug overdoses killed more than 72,000 people in the U.S. last year, right? Now, that's was registered as overdoses, right? Doesn't doesn't include all the the, the deaths by cars as, as they overdose and then crash their cars and things and things like. That. This is just straight overdoses. It's a new record driven by the deadly opioid epidemic and so on. It says the CDC estimates that seventy two thousand two hundred eighty seven people died from overdoses in two thousand seventeen, an increase of about ten percent from the year before. A majority of the deaths, nearly forty nine thousand, was caused by opioids, according to new data. And then you find um, there's so many articles about the same kind of problem. In British Columbia, nearly one and a half thousand died of illicit overdoses last year, it says. And this is the same time as they're pushing uh, legalizing drugs, eh? And don't forget, it's all been declared in Canada that legalizing marijuana and cannabis is basically uh, the first step in legalizing all these drugs. But you, the rulers, and believe you me, Canada's got rulers that you don't vote for that don't even live in Canada. The same as every other country. Because all happens across the world at the same time. But more people fatally overdosed in British Columbia last year compared to 2017, despite efforts to combat it, etc., etc. And so, they, again, they go into different... Uh, uh, I guess mainly fentanyl, but there's many other... There's crystal meth and all the rest of it, too. Uh, there's over a, a billion dollars, by the way, of, of ice, that, that, uh, that particular drug that they're using now. I think one and a half billion dollars was caught, made in the U.S., and to be exported to Australia. That's how big the money is now, like these kind of drugs, eh? But the pub, I just hope, as I say, that enough folk who are really asking questions, getting depressed about society and try to find purpose, maybe they will hear my talks occasionally and find that there's other reasons to, to keep alive. And you don't need to kill off your brain cells with booze, with alcohol and drugs. They try to quieten it down. There's other ways to do it. The more you learn, you'll be surprised how much it helps you cope with getting through this very corrupt system, this well-controlled system that we're living in. But that's the answer to everything today now, drugs, drugs, drugs. And your governments are legalizing it all. Quite some, eh? Also with big businesses and banks and corporations helping, helping to run the world on behalf, with the foundations on behalf of the international bankers and on behalf of the very, very top dominant minority. That's what they call themselves, dominant minority. Aldous Huxley called them that too. Uh, they're doing awfully. They, 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 they're really the taxpayer funds everything. I've mentioned before about the big factories that are set up in your countries, and your countries bribe other countries' businesses to come into your, your country. They bribe them using your tax money. The standard practice. If you did that, you'd be in the jail for it. But your governments do it. Nissan was offered secret state aid to cope with. The British exit, Brexit, minister concedes. So the business secretary vowed to maintain manufacturers' capacity to trade with the EU. Well, listen, it's quite simple. If they won't put a factory in your, in your country and pay for all the infrastructure to build the place themselves with the massive profits they've got, then pass a law so, you don't, so they can't bring your cars and try to sell them in your... That's how you deal with that, folks. You don't build their factories for them, bring in the electricity, bring in the septic systems, bring in uh, the plumbing systems and the roads for them. But there's kickbacks all over the place, isn't there? That's how it's done. And that's a system we're taught is normal for those above, above the normal <laughs> arm of the law, I suppose. Isn't that something, really? Isn't that something? But as I say, that's really... All our time for, unfortunately. But this this week's been hectic. Even today was hectic because it's going to snow Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think again, and already had layers of snow with ice on top of each layer, like a sandwich. And the weight was incredible on the roof. On one side, it still is. So I've got to get up there uh, as soon as this talk's done and get back at it because, as I said, this is a very severe, prolonged winter. And it's only February, and it can snow up here into March and April quite easily. 
And it's true enough, uh, it's becoming longer and longer. As as global warming is is, is the advanced guard, because they picked out that the loser, they should have picked global cooling, actually. Because it's got nothing to do with facts. The whole agenda's got nothing to do with facts. It's simply an excuse for eugenics to depopulate and rule your lives from beginning to end, including consumption, too. It's quite easy to phase folk out of uh, what they've been used to. They can do it just as easily over a few years. And with right drugs and all the rest of it, and folk will comply and go along with it until within 15 years, 20 years, it'll be the normal. I've seen this kind of thing happen throughout my life in quite a few different areas. The techniques of behaviorism and neuroscience are all coupled together with propaganda. Your nudge units, your, your behavior management teams, your bit units, they call them BITs, working internationally, I've done the, the shows in them too, are responsible for most of your thoughts and opinions. And to nudge it, you feel bad about having the wrong opinions, and they decide who decides who is wrong in a free society. As always, you can go on and on and on, but as I say, I'm not a prophet of doom. I'm just uh, mentioning that it's good to be cautious and to think once in a while for those who want to. Most, and there's a lot of folk who don't want to think, they really don't. I know that. It's always a shock when you're growing up and you find out that when conversations start with people your own age, even when you're 10, 11, 12 and so on, it's always a bit of a shock to find out that so many of the topics you would bring up they'd never even thought about or questioned. So people are different, absolutely. And for those who do question and who don't want to simply become rich and screw the rest of society, then I hope you'll find a lot to talk about and think about from all the talks I've given, the thousands of talks over the years. And I know for a fact that people who do get in touch with me generally have good comments. And that's all it is. You don't have to agree with everything I say. I don't have to agree with everything you say in reply. But there's no need to fight over it either, for that matter, because we're living in such an intolerant society today under the guise of tolerance. It's become completely intolerant of any other opinions except from the the ones who are at the very top pushing it all because they're given authorization from the masters of the planet to do so. And that's why it's happening. For myself, Alan Watt, from a very cold and icy and snowy Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God, your gods go with you. <laughs>